When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, after a month of preemption and doing the the electric slide across your channel guide, AEW Dynamite is back on Wednesday night where it belongs, which means back on Wednesday night live across the wrestling platforms. It's we who belong. I'm Justin Labar, back alongside my partner in crime, Alfred Kunua. Uh, Alfred, I'm Justin. Nice to see you again. Hey, how's it going, buddy? I don't know if you remember me, but we used to do pods years ago. Years ago, years ago. That's what it feels like years ago at this point. Uh, yeah, back after you know, a, you know, a month of, of AEW sliding around on Fridays and on Saturdays, uh, and certainly you know, a need to get the momentum back tonight, uh, as tonight is the last the last dynamite of, I guess you said, the pandemic era as they return to the road next week. So really important for them to have a solid show tonight. It, it was important for them to have a solid show, and I don't really want to bury the lead here. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have the most solid ending. Uh, the, you know, the chat started going crazy about it. That poor guy, Jim Ross, uh, had uh, an unfortunate line to end the show. I mean, Justin, if you can uh, clue the people in on this, I'm sure you do better justice than I. Yeah, I hope I hope you didn't tune out when they went to the video package. They did the big tribute of, of Daly's place and the highs and the lows and, of course, the, the tragic with the passing of Mr. Brody Lee. So you got the tears. And they come back, and everybody's just AEW, AEW, live crowds going crazy. They're pumping. They're going to be in Miami next week. Thank you, Jacksonville, for hosting us this last year. And then, JR, check us out next week in Miami. There's And then in all the other cities we're going to, there's nothing else quite like a live WWE Dynamite. And we're off. Literally the last words you heard of this pivotal era of AEW that they just spent two minutes celebrating. Uh, those are the breaks. This was tailor-made for Twitter. Like, I don't, I don't know who the guy is who had to tell Jerry, hey, man, before you check your Twitter, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but but uh, I wouldn't go on Twitter if I was Jim Ross. And I feel bad because I like JR. I mean, JR's a legend. Uh, and it's tough. I mean, the guy is so used to saying WWE for yes. so many years in that live situation. That's just a hard thing. I mean, I, I mean, I get it. I, I you know, I, I, I get that. I mean, it not, I mean, you know, it happened. I mean, I, I can't say that I'm going to blame anybody that's going to take the shots on social media because they are. But I mean, and, and it's unfortunate. It's not the first time that it's happened. So. Right. And unfortunately, in the world that we live in, this is naturally going to lead to a narrative. Oh, is it time for Jim Ross to go this, that and the other? And I will hopefully never be on that side of the fence. I think he brings something very dynamic to AEW, even present day. Uh, I even like when he gets grumpy and jumps all over the referees because it kind of does seem like it's more of a sport with the announcers having the credibility. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I just I like JR there. But this is what you're going to get. You're going to get the good with the bad with Jim Ross at this stage in his career. Sure, sure. I mean, and, and Jericho said it many times. You know, when when Dynamite launched, Jericho and Jim Ross were the most uh, recognizable from a from at least from a global standpoint for pro wrestling. So, I mean, you know, Jr. has got value to him. I mean, you know, he's, the, the, his value certainly outweighs 
you know, uh, a slip up every now and again, like that one. And and again, they finished the main event match at like, you know, with like four minutes still to go in the hour. Yeah. Uh, and then they just go to this video package. I, I if, for anything for JR, it might be a good thing that a lot of people might have just tuned off. They said, oh, we're going to a video package to close this. I'm, I'm done. Uh, but of course, social media is going <laughs> to, if you missed it, social media is going <laughs> to make wake it right back up. Right. Wake you, wake you right back up. So, uh, crazy way to uh, crazy way to end. This was a wild show. We'll take the good with the bad that we'll discuss. But before we get into that, as everybody's still uh, settling in here live on the podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're watching on Facebook, Periscope, Twitch, we appreciate it. As everybody's still coming in, finding their seats. Alfred, let's touch on some of the news uh, that was uh, dominating the headlines today uh, for Wrestling Inc. And you can read more about all of these <clears throat> on Wrestling Inc. But we'll give you we'll give you the snapshot. Uh, Mercedes Martinez uh, reportedly taken to a hospital after her NXT match. Uh, last night, she was in a involved in a match, a tag match against uh, Zia Lee, and uh, and Zia Lee just just a roundhouse kick Alfred that looked like it connected right behind the ear of Mercedes Martinez. Uh, she had an awkward fall, one of those awkward fall. You know, it didn't didn't look like your typical take a bump. It looked like a stunned, not just got my uh, lights knocked out fall. Uh, but Fightful uh, is reporting that that she did in fact uh, you know, got checked out when she got backstage, and then they did send her to a local hospital at this point i don't think we've heard anything more so hopefully mercedes martinez nothing nothing too serious yeah yeah and that was a very scary spot when it happened it was one of those things where you instantly knew something was wrong just based on how she just face planted how they just cut away from her on uh, the ground she kind of tensed up when she was being pinned uh and you know it was just a mistake and we were talking about it last night on the wrestling pod and just how scary of a spot that was so i'm just glad that she's doing okay but uh you could tell something went wrong because obviously they just had to stop that match uh without there really being a true finish uh but uh, just good to hear that the, hopefully she's on the mend now absolutely uh, so we'll keep our uh we'll keep keep our ears and eyes out for any update we might get there uh, sticking in the wb world uh this and, and down in, in florida specifically at the training center uh sasha banks and others as we're finding out uh, from, again, from Fightful Select, Alfred, that uh, they're going to be doing some mandatory training at the Performance Center. This comes just a day after we were learning that Vince himself, Vince McMahon, is going to be at the Performance Center tomorrow, Thursday, uh, you know, supposedly scouting and taking a look at, you know, what what's his, what's his, uh, what's his future look like in terms of talent. And, and this is notable, Alfred, because, I mean, first off, mandatory training at the performance center. I mean, we've heard about them sending, you know, big guys back to w- learn the different things of the WWE style. Uh, but, you know, mandatory training, uh, you know, for, you know, and Sasha Banks is, is a name we're finding that's attending. And, you know, we haven't seen her since WrestleMania. You know, Sasha Banks, who main evented at WrestleMania, you're going to mandatory training. I'm not sure what that means. And then Vince at the performance center. You know, that performance center has been around for over over five years, Alfred. Uh, and, you know, we really haven't ever caught pictures or WWE 24 documentary footage uh, showing Vince at the Performance Center. So this doesn't seem like it's a regular stop in his route. No, not at all. And the way I kind of saw it, just based on the timing, the fact that it's an all-hands-on-deck type setup, I I really think that this is going to be Vince and the WWE officials uh, training all um, the WWE superstars how in terms of to work with the crowds back, like what they want, what they want to emphasize. There's a lot of things over this past year that they haven't had to worry about in terms of a wrestling match because it's been silent. But there are definitely things that Vince McMahon likes people to do in arenas with fans, and he's very particular about them. So I'm sure that this is going to come up in terms of, hey, when you're in a headlock, make sure you hold on for longer, whatever the stuff that he likes to do to get fans into a match. So I think this is going to be much of uh, here is a reminder or a refresher of how to work in front of a live crowd. 
I think that's a great point. That 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 is a really uh, good point, considering the timing and considering that you know it's been the longest ever that WWE's not been in front of an audience regularly. And yeah, I guess you know what's where's a place that you can gather everybody rather than have to worry about what rosters at TV Monday, what rosters at TV Friday. Send everybody, get everybody to the performance center, and just ha- have a have a big kind of you know yeah a big meeting. And um, so that that very well might be it. Of course, then coupling it with the draft coming up at the end of the summer. Of course, we're expecting a new crop of talents to uh, appear on Raw or SmackDown. So, again, maybe part of that process of looking to see uh, right. who he wants to have uh, involved in that uh, in that draft. Uh, first Super Chat of the night, Jody Shauna Jenkins, $5 Canadian. Uh, I'm sure it's the fans being back, but AEW seems really good right now. It also seems not as overproduced as <laughs> WWE. Uh, plus, Miro would kill Roman Reigns right now. I mean, AEW certainly, as we'll talk about here at length in a moment, it's got a ton of energy. You can never deny how much energy is behind the shows, and the crowd obviously amplifies that. Um, I, depending on what your definition, depending on what the definition Alfred is of overproduced, uh, they 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 let the guys and girls kind of speak for themselves. But I mean, you can certainly make a case that there's some maybe not overproduced, maybe overbooked <laughs> segments. Uh, in these shows, certainly, I, I got to feel like AEW feels like they got more bullets than they can hold in the chamber. That they have probably are just ready to start unloading things now that they got this crowd back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's the the downfall of AEW is the fact that they do do so much and they try to fit so much into one show. But I think that is also part of what makes it so great in terms of it having all this energy. But a big part of that has been over the past month these live fans coming back and just the passion they've shown. And and what I like about the crowd at this point in time is that these AEW crowds don't tend to go into business for themselves. They tend to cheer for the right guys. Uh, that match with Jungle Boy last week I think was a perfect example in that you knew AEW is trying to get Jungle Boy up and running. Uh, and even though he was a big underdog in this match if the crowd got behind him it would be a better match uh, it would make jungle boy come off as a bigger star and that's exactly what happened they really gravitated toward jungle boy you did have the kenny omega fans there still but i feel like these crowds are really good at being wrestling crowds that are um portraying what the company wants them to portray they're in step with aew and i think that's what makes them separate from wwe right now it's definitely a separation it'll be i'll be curious to see i mean obviously dynamite only had um well i guess about a little less than six months on the road before the pandemic uh stop that i'll be curious to see when we start getting when they, you know, when they go to new york in september you know new york you know for being a crowd that, that likes to you know that, that whole new york philly jersey yeah uh, turnpike <laughs> region they love to you know that they, they they love to be the stars so it'll be interested to see do they ever encounter any of that or again is the product in tune enough with, with what that fan base wants um you know, you know will we see beach ball you know yeah it's really curious to see what is it you know because we've talked about this before with AEW. right now everything you hear at least on the record from anybody that that's about AEW is is sunshine and roses. Right. But eventually when talent get let go and contracts run up and creative disputes happen and goes guys and girls go the separate way. That's when you're going to start to hear the flip side of somebody's grievance. Um, No no matter how truthful or untruthful it is, it'll be their, their account of things. And so like there's still the, even though it's been since October, 2019, there's still a new car smell on AEW and AEW dynamite. So I'll be curious when that smell starts to fade and when the beach balls come out, when the unruly chants come out, when the shoot interviews start. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get that right around the time, like the five year mark when a lot of these contracts start being up and they, you know, kind of switch sides, we're going to get that, you know, especially because, you know, right now we're also in a time where a lot of WWE guys are going to AEW, but I think 
once that script flips and you get the other side of that with people jumping ship to WWE, that's when you're going to get the blended waters of people now from AEW having stories about it. No, it's really not so great there. Wait till you hear these Tony Khan stories, brother. So it, we'll get it. It just me. The honeymoon period. And we've kind of seen glimpses of it, actually. Maybe not so with, much with the live fans, but with a, lot of, uh, a couple of these disasters that AEW has had in terms of the ending with the explosion, uh, the Jericho yeah. fall. I mean, in terms of the vitriol that comes with that, I mean, it's out there. It's bubbling and it's hungry. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I can just, I can see it. Bro, I can see it now. The first big person that jumps shit from AEW, they walk out on a live Monday Night Raw, Jaguars jersey on, they rip that Jaguars jersey. You know, it's 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 all it's all going to be there. Oh, we're going to get petty, and I love it. I love uh, it. Tom Petty. Uh, the New Day. Uh, so there's the, uh, the five episodes that were on uh, Peacock on the WWE Network of WWE's 50 greatest tag teams. And, of course, a lot of tag teams... Um, a lot of tag teams, you know, featured the Outsiders, Doom, the Koloff, Sting and Lex Luger, the Freebirds, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, Hollywood Blondes, Harlem Heat. Um, but edging out at number one is The New Day. You good? Hey. With you good with this? I love it. I love it. And I love this documentary, by the way. I haven't seen uh, the last two parts uh, because I believe those just recently came out, but I did see the first three. And uh, again, I think Brizango was so good uh, hosting this. And it's so it'll be so sad to just watch them knowing that they're not with the company anymore. But uh, this is a very good series. I know a lot of people might argue for the classics. You know, I grew up uh, an LOD slash Road Warriors guy. Love the Road Warriors and, you know, uh, Demolition, which is not, I don't think, like a top five, top ten, but there's going to be a lot of these classic tag teams. But I absolutely think that I have no problem with New Day being the best WWE tag team of all time. We're not saying in all of professional wrestling, but in this company, I actually think it's um, a bit of a slight to the New Day to only refer to them as a tag team because they just mean so much more uh, in terms of just the reach that they've had and the entertainment value. And I, I like this. I really do. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 New Day is so impressive. Again, they, they, they've, they've remained over. They've been a babyface several times. They've had a heel incarnation several times. Constant remain over uh, and and have reinvented themselves while still staying in the identity of the new day. Uh, new catchphrases, new 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 shticks that they ride in and out of. Uh, and it and, and it's for how long? It's been over five years. That is an eternity yeah. in today's WWE world when there's you know six seven hours of live program every week, a pay per view every four weeks. I mean that's insane that they have remained together and and WWE has been able to avoid the the, the classic who's going to stab who in the back yeah and you also have to consider the fact that what makes them dynamic as well is that they spin off world title contenders from this tag team like they started as a mid-card commit tag team and they just got so undeniable that now Kofi Kingston's been WWE champion I have Big E as my favorite to win Money in the Bank. And, you know, maybe they'll do something screwy with Drew, but I think it's only a matter of time before Big E goes to Raw and buys four world championships. So that's something that pretty much 98% of those teams on that list can't say that they spun off multiple world title contenders. Absolutely. And our final uh, headline news story before we uh, move ourselves into AEW's Dynamite tonight, uh, Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM. Cheap plug. I'm on there every Friday at 10 a.m. Okay. Listen live or on demand or the podcast. Uh, but today, it was Bully Ray as one of the co-hosts. And uh, Bully Ray, they had Tony Khan on at today's show. And, uh, you know, they talked to Tony Khan. They you know, talked that. But prior to getting to Tony Khan, they did talk some AEW. And Bully Ray got into some comments about Eddie Kingston, noting Eddie Kingston's uh, taking some some shots at WWE in a promo recently on, on AEW programming. And uh, Bully had a lot to say. Bully, uh, we'll, we'll read the quotes here. 
you know, he, he does say he loves Eddie Kingston to death. He, you know, he puts over Eddie Kingston. Um, you know, he says, if we were having promo wars and I was the captain of the team and somebody says you got to pick one person to do a promo for you, I'd most likely pick Eddie because of his believability, his tone, his inflection, and everything about him. He goes, but in this case, Eddie needs to shut the F up and stay in his lane. And his lane is an AEW guy speaking about AEW and flying the flag for AEW. Then I'm completely on board. Tell me how great AEW is. Fly the flag for your company. Show me that you wear your heart on your sleeve. He goes on to say, you were an indie guy for the majority of, he was an indie guy for the majority of his career until this company took a chance on you. You've learned to love it and everything about it. Don't take the easy way out and knock the WWE. If Cody wants to destroy a throne, I get it. If Jericho wants to say F you, I get it. But Eddie, why? There's no reason for him to say uh, that so uh, this really grabbing headlines. I mean, Bully Ray was trending today, Alfred, and really the the, the portion of that that I read uh, that that really grabbed the attention. That the line that everybody picked up on was, you know, shut the f up and stay in your lane. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this. Uh, this is part of the beauty of having these kind of pro wrestling wars. And I think Bully Ray, you know, I love that Bully Ray is stepping up or whatnot and having something to say, but the fact that he's saying, oh, stay in your lane, you shouldn't be able to talk about WWE. I don't necessarily agree with that because when we look back on all of this, there is going to be a lot of interest in the narrative of what was AEW versus WWE like, you know, not only was there a Monday Night Wars DVD, they made one of the first things they did on WWE Network was like an eight to 10 part docu-series on the Monday Night Wars, just kind of chronicling that so the back and forth between these wrestling companies from an in-ring standpoint of who's got the better product and from an out of the ring standpoint of you know various wrestlers getting in spats i think is going to enhance this and as long as it doesn't get violent and nobody pulls up on anybody this doesn't turn into gang wars i'm all for this well like i always say it's already like the anchorman news team gang wars with uh, (laughs) with the the interference and affiliations but uh, yeah i mean interesting comments i mean you can take you can you you can i could i think you could see each side of the argument i think um you know to your point uh, that's always just kind of been the fun of when you have viable competition. You know, I mean, nobody, nobody ever really in the last 15 years ever really took it seriously. You know, WWE obviously never acknowledged TNA and Impact until just recently in the last couple of years where they've used, you know, images and, and video archive. You know, but they never acknowledged, you know, when Christian and McFoley and, and, and Booker T and, and Kurt Angle all were there. Um, you know, I think they, you know, and, and, and then when, and when Impact and TNA would try to, you know, I, don't, I think we all just kind of laugh. We're like, you're just not at that level. But I think there is more of an equal interpretation. There is more of an equal looking interpretation because AEW, the distribution they have of being on TNT uh, and the success they've just had with their numbers, um, not being far off of what WWE's numbers are. And I'm speaking of Raw and SmackDown, not NXT. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's fun in having the shots go. I mean, look, and, and Bully comes from ECW, the original ECW, which so much <laughs> of their their attitude was built on F. F yeah. W, FWCW, F the man, you know. Um, but at great same, point. You know, but, at the same, but, at the, but at the same point, you know, if you want to analyze Eddie Kingston's character, the character on AEW TV, I can see Bully's point being like, that doesn't make sense. Eddie, you're not a guy that, you know, you're not a guy that I just saw on WWE programming that I thought was getting uh, misused. So, it, you know, so each to each their own. But uh, it was definitely an inter- Go check out Busted Open after you finish our podcast here it was definitely an interesting one uh, they had tony khan on and bully even actually started asking tony about like do you see the issues with your referees and your lack of rules and uh i'll just and i i mean tony just kind of d- disagreed kind of no sold the, the criticism so i love the idea of taking tony khan to wrestler's court every week to where he's publicly held accountable for his booking that's amazing right yeah no look yeah props to tony khan for having the 
you know, he's a he's a billionaire. He doesn't have, he doesn't have to. He could just say no. But he goes on <laughs> once or twice a week and is willing to, you know. I mean, props to him. I mean, he, like I said, he didn't really answer anything. He didn't really go deep into it. But at least he made himself available for the questions. I guess so. Right. All yeah, right. Say, really quickly, yeah. uh, I part of me wants also AEW to like awake the sleeping giant that is WWE because you know, you know, if Bully Ray is talking like this. You know, a lot of people in WWE are not happy with these comments that Eddie Kingston made, and a part of me wants it to manifest itself in them being, "Oh, you guys think you're hot right now? Like we have the talent and the money to do this better than anybody in the world," which they do. And if they choose to, hopefully, if they know the answer, they can. And I want that to happen sooner rather than later. Well, we all want the sleeping giant WWE to be awoken and, and to give us better content. I think we all have this sense of optimism that we're going to get it once they're back in front of fans. Um, you know, we'll see how long that that honeymoon period lasts. Um, but you know, I don't know. I, you know, I think about things like Bruce Pritchard said and such a lot in reflection over the years. You know, a guy that was right there with Vince in the trenches during the Monday Night Wars, and like they, they you know, they've even said if they could do it again. They would not have done the 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 huckster and nacho and billionaire right. Ted, they wouldn't have just even because in that and in a lot of ways it gave wcw far more credibility than it needed to at a certain time so we'll see all right let's get into dynamite last dynamite of the pandemic era here at daily's place they're of course going to be in miami starting next week um so they they're hyping that up all night long but we kicked the show off after jericho joins the commentary desk uh we got eddie kingston and uh, penta up against the young bucks here uh and this is exactly the kind of match you'd expect with these four individuals uh but it comes down to the meat and potatoes Towards the ending here, Alfred, is we have Gallows and Anderson. They're out there. They end up causing a distraction, but their distraction doesn't uh, do any good. Uh, Brandon Cutler accidentally sprays the Bucks in the eyes. Uh, he missed uh, Kingston and Penta. Uh, and then Kazarian, he he appears. He takes out Cutler. Ultimately, Penta and Kingston get the victory over the Young Bucks. So uh, somewhat of an upset here to kick off this AEW Dynamite uh, with a tag match. And they did a tremendous job of building up this babyface challenging team as a viable threat to the Young Bucks uh, because there was a mistake in this match. And I don't want to sound like an apologist because it seemed like a legitimate mistake. But the referee counted three uh, when the Young Bucks were supposed to kick out. But everybody played their parts brilliantly in this. And, and not only did they get that visual pinfall, which incited a that was three chant, but then they beat the Young Bucks about as clean as you could beat anybody. Uh, so they really kind of came out of here like, wow, when it's fair, these guys can actually beat the Young Bucks. It, it was very overwhelming in this match and i just love the young bucks heel work and just with those fu manchu mustaches now they just add one little thing and it's makes them 10 times more obnoxious and they're so good at just kind of needling you but at the same time being really obnoxious about it uh so you know they're great heels in this match and i think the right guys won yeah i agree with this outcome i'm good with it um you know it, again and this is gonna be the story of the whole show just a lot of shenanigans at all point yeah. nothing nothing is just kept to let it be those in, inside the ring but we'll you know we'll get get more to that um but i will say I, I like the choice for penta and kingston to win and to the to your point about the box as heels you know we haven't i haven't got to talk about aw in like a month because we haven't done the wednesday nights here uh but really the, the, their, their heel worker it really has grown on me when you know months ago when they when we saw them shifting into in, into being heels uh you know with the whole stuff with callus and, and kenny you know i really shook my head just kind of going like you're the young bucks and, and the style you work and, and how over yours faces. Like, is this really necessary? Dude? Like, are, are we already dried up on the baby face booking right now of the roster? We feel like you need to go. The, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't get it. I was really skeptical, but it's, it's really winning me over. Cause you're right they're They, they, they work 
again, you look at them, they, they, and I'm like, oh, this is baby faces for life. But they really do work a really good heel gimmick uh, when they're committed to it. And you're right. They do some little touches in their appearance and in their shenanigans of, of how they act. It's, it, 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 yeah, it, you and I were both very confused by this Young Bucks heel turn when it first happened. I remember being so against it because I felt like they were getting off the beaten path. And it, they had had a couple of false starts before. So I just felt like these characters were getting lost. And, I mean, props to them for really rallying because that's what they've done. Um, kind of like you, every week I've liked this gimmick more. And now I'm... I'm a lot more into it. For sure. So that was our opening match. Uh, we get a backstage promo. Christian's talking to uh, Jungle Boy, putting over Jungle Boy, how impressed he's been with his performance. Talks about how he's going to have uh, Jungle Boy's back. Uh, that'll come into relevance here in a few moments. We also get Ethan Page. Uh, you know, He's in ring doing a promo all about cutting down Darby, talking about their coffin match that's supposed to be next week. At this moment, he's you know talking about how he's going to close that coffin on Darby's uh, can, you know self-confidence and career. Uh, cue the lights go out. Here comes Sting. Sting's dragging a coffin uh, to the ring. Out pops Darby. So Darby goes at it. He really gets the better of Ethan. And then uh, Paige now is to the outside. He's he's pissed. He's on the microphone. And now he says this match is not going to happen next week. He says you're going to sign the you know you you, you know you, you you're always trying to get an unfair advantage and basically tells Darby that Darby's going to have to sign some papers and keep his hands off of uh, of of Ethan. And if he can do that, then maybe they'll do the match. A few weeks later at Fighter Fest, so uh, I'm guessing Alfred, this was done. At, I'm, I'm guessing they're looking at their booking and realizing as they're trying to spread out some of these marquee matches over this uh, return toward the road. I'm guessing they just realized they already have enough for next week and they need to move this somewhere else. Sure, but I mean, the last thing they want to be doing really is rescheduling, given how many shows that they have to promote that they, you know, are kind of putting over right now and that they've got, you know, the Road Rager and uh, just a couple of shows that they're doing when they're coming back on the road. They like to book in advance and to just kind of change this up again. Uh, you kind of lose track of when these matches are going to happen. But, you know, I really liked Ethan Page in this. I think, you know, Ethan Page is kind of an unsung hero in AEW where there's a lot of guys in AEW get a lot of deserved praise, but he's a guy who I, I would keep an eye on in terms of somebody who's kind of bubbling up as a very good performer. There were a couple of issues with the promo, I guess, audio-wise or whatnot, and fans, like, really getting into it in terms of chanting against him. And I thought he handled it really well in terms of being on the fly and responding to that live environment. Yeah, uh, Ethan, his... his, his... He's very in control of the, of the character and gimmick that he's playing. I think that Darby's a great opponent for him. That's just a, it's just such a great um, you know, yin and yang. Yeah. Uh, what I'll be watching, from what I had seen of Ethan prior to his arrival in AEW, what I'll be watching is to make sure uh, he doesn't become too, too, too much of a duplicate of an MJF. Because his character and MJF's character, there's a, there's a lot of similar fabric, so it'll be really be watching to see like um, how, how we differentiate the two. Uh, especially more so Ethan, because MJF obviously is you know, higher up on the pecking order uh, for AEW. So. That is very true. Uh, we get uh, Jungle Boy versus Jack Evans. This is a pretty pretty straightforward, quick match. Jungle Boy wins with submission. After that, though, we then see the, the office of Matt Hardy starting to make, out, make, make it to the ring, but then here comes uh, here comes help to defend on Jungle Boy, and ultimately uh, Matt Hardy and Christian are fisticuffs. It's, 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 it's WWE 2001 all over. It's, it's great stuff here. We got Matt Hardy and Christian <laughs> funny. And, and again, look, I, I just, I, again, I just, can we just let a match be a match? Like I, I don't, this goes, this is my, this is my biggest problem. It's my, and, and, and to a point, it's like, yeah, there's a lot going on. So it's, you, know, you always want to stay engaged and, you know, we certainly don't want it to get as flat and, and, and sterile and recycled as we see like Monday night Raw can be, but Oof, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just keeping waiting. I'm like, all right, this is going to be the match. This is the match. It's just going to Jungle Boy's going to win, and that's going to be that. And <laughs> nope. 
I'm the opposite, and I think it's really hurting the show in terms of creating a fatigue because uh, I'm just thinking, like, okay, when is the outside interference going to happen in this match? And, like, even leading up to the main event, like, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but it got so good where even at that point I'm like, man, they're going to have outside interference for a match like this? And, you know, sure enough, they did. So, uh, you know, it's really starting to get a little frustrated uh, when you continue to see the same type of outside interference in every single match. Uh, then it kind of compromises the match for a promotion that really tries to treat itself like a real sport. And they put so much emphasis on wins tonight and always oh, got his 50th wins. And it's like, well, what is a win really when there's all this outside interference? Who's winning these matches exactly? True, but I will say this. I, I got to give AEW the credit, too, on the wins with, uh, you, you know, they really do it is nice that they, and they t- they touched on it with MJF later when we get they get to the main event where um, they said something like you know MJF he's only one he's only lost one singles match his entire career at AEW uh, you know which is which is a year and, and that I, I do think I'm like you know it is pretty cool that they are able to preserve that those kind of stats it does help make matches like tonight's match with MJF and Sammy be even bigger than what it is um, so I'll give them that credit they they find a way and and, 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 and MJF's only lost once but I feel like People have gotten the better of him. He has put other guys over. So uh, to AEW's credit, they have managed to, um, I think, make the records work in their favor uh, for for how we're presenting this person. And yes, this, this person's a big deal. So, yeah, and I, I just want to be clear that I absolutely am one hundred percent with that. Might be my favorite thing about AEW is just how much they focus on wins and records and whatnot. It's just that. Uh, so I think it puts more of an onus to have. Uh, more often than not, the matches be fair if it's going to kind of simulate a real sport. Otherwise, it does become kind of a cartoon. Uh, so we get an MJF pre-tape promo. Uh, he's talking about Chris Jericho and just, you know, Jericho used to be one of the best, but now he's uh, he's just not cool anymore. He's making AEW's own Looney Tune place. He starts listening to some of the things that Jericho's done to him. Uh, he says next week, MJF says he's going to reveal the stipulation that if Jericho wants one more match with them, he has to accept these stipulations. And the, the the deal being that once they have that match, when MJF wins, Jericho leaves him alone. So, and uh, you know, setting up the possibility that we finally see the end, complete end of this feud, and these two will move on. We'll we'll wait and see. But then he starts to pivot, and he puts over his match tonight with Sammy Guevara as the main event. And I like I really like this portion of the promo from MJF. Uh, what he says about Sammy is he talks about how you know Sammy, I'm gonna be I'm gonna beat you. And uh, yeah, you know what? After I beat you, everybody's going to be still saying that you are the future uh, because I'm the now. And I just thought it was a really, it was just, it was a good line. It puts over, you know, the, it puts Sammy over, puts his opponent over, which is, you know, ultimately that wrestling one-on-one of what you want to do. You don't want to bury your opponent. You want to give people reason to tune in, but still MJF is a heel uh, getting himself over as well. I thought this was a really good piece of uh, work by him. Very good. Yeah. I mean, nobody cuts great. And I'm not just talking, oh, very good. Nobody cuts truly great promos on a more consistent basis in MJF. It's just every, it's almost when you think that he can't top himself, he finds a way to do so. So I thought this was very, very good. El Idolo. El Idolo. He makes the, uh, does his uh, interview, and uh, we find out that he's going to have his in-ring debut at AEW against Matt Seidel. Matt somebody. Matt refers to him. <laughs> Matt somebody next week uh, yes. in, my, in Miami, the city of Scarface, I believe he even referred yes. to it. Yes. This is a wild pro. I love that he comes in Spanish, but you're just reading the subtitles. You're like, oh my God, this is wild. Yeah. So, that, that's kind of a funny juxtaposition is that he's, you know, maybe speaking in a language that some other portions of the audience can't understand. But when they read those subtitles, you're just like, okay, okay now you got my attention, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, another reason to begin, always give you a reason to tune in next week. So his in ring debut in AEW against uh, Matt Seidel, that obviously just the looking forward to it. Just the two, just the two guys in their athleticism alone. You're like, okay, this is a fresh matchup. I've never, I've never seen. I don't know if they've ever worked somewhere else in the world, but I've never seen this. So, 
certainly uh, looking forward uh, to, to seeing that. Um, another promo, Kenny Omega in the ring with Tony Schiavone. You know, Schiavone's out there for a lot of these interviews, and then the wrestlers just take the mic and shove him aside. Yeah, almost every time. Yeah. Um, Omega's out there, and he basically says that there, you know, he, he goes through all the different people that he's beaten, and he says there's nobody else in the ranks. I'm done, so I'm going to take a little break from AEW. i got plenty of other titles and other promotions. I'm going to go defend those there. Uh, then he's interrupted by Evil Uno and the Dark Order, who they come out, and, of course, the, you know, Omega notes, you guys aren't in my league. They admit they don't have the ranking and wins to, uh, to uh, qualify to be world title number one contenders, but they start alluding to somebody who is, and they never say him by name, but, of course, they're alluding to Hangman Adam Page, and uh, they never again, nobody says him by name, and Omega responds with, you know, if, if you're talking about who I think, that person, that person doesn't have the guts to do it. That person knows that they can't beat me. So I leave a little cliffhanger here. There's going to be more of that, but just on this promo, Alfred, what'd you, what'd you make of this with this Kenny Omega saying he's all done, but then Dark Order standing up for Hangman Page? Yeah, kind of similar in terms of the promo to something I saw on Friday with another dominant champion who said he was going to be done and then got interrupted. But I don't want to say anybody's ripping anybody off, but I thought this was a fantastic segment uh, in what it accomplished in that you are now establishing the next challenger who uh, you could foresee a month or two out, maybe at that Flushing Garden show, a big show, they're going to do this Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page match. What I love about Hangman Adam Page as a challenger is that Kenny Omega is doing this OP gimmick. He's got every belt, every match he goes into that's a world title match you just know because you know all the information we get on our side oh you know got this belt and got all these big plans there's no way kenny's losing here but this is not gonna be that type of match i could very much see hangman adam page beating kenny omega and how they built hangman adam page tonight as we're gonna get into was very very good in terms of getting these people ready to see hangman adam page possibly win that world title so we talked about heel young bucks earlier and i will talk about heel kenny omega did you catch the social media Split screens and memes of uh, Kenny Omega rocking the 2005 Triple H. I saw a couple of those, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had it in full of the, the mutton chops. Yes, the yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, so we'll get there's more to the Hangman Page story that we'll get to here in a moment once um, once that comes up. We get some back to some action though. This being actually, I think this is the only match that does not have um any goo goo or gaga and this is the tnt title match uh miro defending the title up against flying brian pillman jr uh you know brian gets you know, gets a little bit of offense in there miro sells for him uh you know so that looks good but miro uh locks in that game over submission uh and, and brian just passes out miro man what a difference a few months makes huh Absolutely. And I love that this is the third dominant champion of pro wrestling. And I'm all for this trend. In MMA and UFC, there are at any given moment, maybe five or six uh, dominant guys who are just clearing out their divisions. And, and it leads to a lot of discussion about pound for pound, who's the best. And I hope that we get into this era where there's more and more of these dominant champions. And you're talking about, okay, you know, there was a comment in the super chat earlier saying, oh, Miro would destroy Roman Reigns. That's kind of like a pound for pound type argument. And I just like that they're really building this guy up. His new theme music is so perfect because that, that was the only thing that irked me about Miro in this whole transition is that he had this I'm the best man. It was kind of comedy theme music. But this was just this really epic, like, you're going to get used to hearing this knowing that Miro's going to go in there and kill somebody. And this is the perfect tone. And so I loved it. Yeah, everything's starting to click now. That, that music they got, his, his, his presentation, how he looks, he's got the crazy eyes. Um, I mean, yeah, this is, you know, and I, and I like the fact, you know, I mean, obviously they brought him in and he was associated with, with Kip and, and, and Penelope. I like the fact that he's by himself. Yeah. I like, I mean, for a while, Hangman Adam Page was that guy. And now he's being like linked with the dark order as, as they're, as like a buddy cop 
kind of thing there. I like the fact that like Miro now is the man who's on his own island, and he's a, and, he, and he's and he's holding one of their titles. I love that. Um, God's so favorite champion. God's favorite champion. That's right. Uh, and back to Hangman Page. We catch uh, backstage. He comes barging into the Dark Order's uh, sweet dressing room area, and he's pissed that they were speaking on his behalf. And um, basically, Dark Order saying, "Offered, you know, stop being afraid of failure. We know you can do this. We believe in you. You need to start believing in yourself." I like the message. I like, I like the story of what we're doing here, and how we're building to like you know everybody. Everybody knows that Hangman Page is capable of being you know our leader and being our flag holding guy but he just needs to find himself again i love what we're doing i thought the execution and i thought the cheesiness of this promo was hard to ignore i was like this is super cheesy it was very cheesy in the way they did it uh, and i think they're playing it that way to kind of play the irony that is the AEW fan base because these fans did gobble it up uh, and when they had that home run line like your time is now uh, those people you know kind of came unglued for for the hangman adam page bush but yes th- that's exactly what this was in terms of like it had a after school special vibe to it that's all i could think about is that no come on jimmy you can do it you can beat that bully and it, was, it was like little kids on the playground but i think they did play it off the after school special that as they as all the motivational um <laughs> uh, all, as all the motivational dorks uh, that, that that are the misfits in Dark Order yeah. are, have given him the uh, go get him words, we believe in you. Walks off the after school special, where he then swigs the whiskey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is brought to you by Jim Beam. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, all right, another promo uh, backstage. T- uh, Taz only with uh, Hook and Hobbs. Noting how it has just become a toxic team, Taz, with uh, the problems between Starks and Brian Cage. And once again, another match being set up for this return tour to the road. This one being July 14th. Um, they're gonna, we're going to see Starks versus Cage. The FTW title is going to be on the line. Um, noting that, uh, you know, and family, sometimes they just need to have a fight. Family members do just to, to go ahead and, and, and clean this whole thing up. So. Uh, that's one of those events that July 14th events gonna be in Texas. Uh, Ricky Starks from Texas, I believe. So, uh, obviously, some some promotional logic there. Uh, uh, wh- wh- where do you think we're going? I mean, obviously, somebody's defecting here from Team Taz. What what, what are you seeing? Sure, I mean, I see Brian Cage being the guy. I mean, if he's gonna defend this FTW title, uh, this is the most fitting way to defend it. If it means anything, I guess it would mean something to Taz and his crew. So maybe it should be kept within them. And But I do not see him retaining this. I see Ricky Starks winning this title as part of uh, Brian Cage being kicked out of this faction. Right. Yeah, because I mean, the FTW title has to remain with Team Taz. So right, yes. that, would, that would seem that would seem um, almost seem like Team you know, Taz has decided he wants Starks to remain. Team Taz is going to make sure that Starks wins this title. Uh, and yeah, Brian Cage, you know, again, now I guess he, he will be one maybe who's a loner who's off um, getting his own booking. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right. We get a tag match, uh, a women's tag match here. Uh, several things to unpack out of this. We get Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero up against Rebel and Britt Baker. Um, first off, <laughs> Britt and Rebel are still positioned and booked in this match like they're the heels. Yeah. Kinda. But clearly the. The, the crowd favorites so uh, th- that was the first kind of thing to again trying to get used to a thousand percent that i mean her days as a healer they better start planning for her baby face run because these people will not let her be a baby face it was very awkward watching them act like heels just knowing how overwhelming the fan was in her, her corner 
Well, and you know, and look, the, uh, they're going to be here in Pittsburgh in August. They're going to be doing, they're actually going to do two, you know, they're going to do Dynamite on Wednesday, and then they're going to stay here in Pittsburgh, and they're going to do the very first Rampage on Friday here in Pittsburgh. So I, I have to think, you know, obviously Pittsburgh is where Brit's from. Her whole shtick, she, you know, she, even when she was here, she did the Britsburg thing. I got to think by that point, they have to know, we have to position her and acknowledge her as a face by that point. Right, right. And that, that'll maximize those reactions. And even by the end of this match, it kind of felt like they're kind of headed in that direction to make Britt Baker the babyface, maybe even of this feud. Yeah, and, and, and I, don't, I don't think this was intentional. This was not supposed to happen, but Britt ends up basically being handicapped uh, at the end here. So as we go through the match, um, there's a spot where Britt, or there's a spot where Nyla Rose, um, I believe it was Nyla, Nyla pins Britt. One, two, Rebel comes flying in and breaks the count up. And I, and I was watching her. I watched this happen, and she breaks the count up and then she kind of just lays on the ground on the mat and she just kind of freezes and she's still her face is still up she's looking at the camera she's looking off at a, at a ringside person and it just kind of looked like maybe she wrenched her back or something mm. all, she did, all she did was come in and just give like a little light double axe handle just to fall and then to break the count up but it almost looked like she might have moved and, and just wrenched her back because then she proceeded to lay on her stomach in the ring and slid as slowly as i mean just sliding slowly to get out yeah. of the ring out of the way Slides onto the ramp, and she did not move out of the position. They had, you know, they they kind of kept it blocked out of the camera shot. But every now and again, you could catch the background of a shot. They had doctors and ringside people there attending to her. I could, I was reading Britt's lips. I could see Britt was trying to figure out what's what she's doing. Is she okay? Britt ends up getting the win when she puts the lock jaw on Vicky. <laughs> oh, people! <laughs> so she gets the win there. Uh, but then after the match, Nyla Rose and Vicky attack Britt, who again all by herself at this point, and they power bomb her from the apron through a table. So this spot looks pretty vicious. And again, yeah. Britt's on her own. So now all of a sudden, now she looks like the baby face. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I I didn't know that all that stuff. I mean, something did seem off definitely through the, the you know finish of that match uh, as it was going to the end. Uh, but I didn't know all that was going on um, in terms of. A rebel or not it did just seem like they're kind of starting to make the transition but you know maybe this is just a happy accident in that it, it did seem like by the end of this match that nyla rose was a clear heel uh just power bombing there and she even kind of played that up when people were booing her she was sneering at these fans and i don't even think nyla rose for all intents and purposes was supposed to be the baby face of this feud uh because she's with vicky guerrero i think this is just one of those weird heel versus heel feuds where you know one heel is going to get cheered but i mean you just might as well go all the way with Britt baker as a baby face because she's really over right yeah, I mean, I'm all for giving any segment screen time to Britain Rebel, but uh, as a whole, this match was just not a really good match. It broke no. down. Broke down was pretty sloppy overall. But again, if you're just trying to get victories and uh, again, prime prime Brits act up for being the babyface thing, that's fine. But uh, hopefully, Rebel's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on yeah. Wrestling Inc. for any updates there. All right, it's main event time. Sammy Guevara versus MJF. Uh, these two guys have been with Dynamite from the very beginning. Noting even Sammy was in the very first match on the very first Dynamite ever in October 2019. So really a good homegrown main event here uh, of young star. I mean, both these guys in their early 20s, uh, and they're here they are on the top of the car main eventing. And uh, this match you know, kind of opens tit for tat. They're really avoiding any kind of big moves from each other. So feeling each other out, getting the crowd's applause. NJF, you know, get some eye pokes, get some heat going on for a little bit. Then things really start to pick up. Sammy does a springboard into a Canadian destroyer, which is absolutely incredible looking and an incredible visual. If you go, go find that one, uh, eventually MJF gets launched into, into the second row. Sammy dives to the top of the, uh, the the rope into the crowd on MJF. Then we start getting a little nuts in terms of like, uh, okay, let's 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 wrap this one up. MJF hits a tombstone pile driver from the yeah. second rope. Second rope. One, 
two. Nope. Then we get Sammy up on the top rope. MJF's begging, don't do it, don't do it. Sammy hits his 630 senton. Surely this one's it. If you're going to top a, a, a tombstone, certainly you're going to just patent one of his finishers, right? And make that be that one, two, nope. Still kick out. Here comes Sean Spears. Well, Jericho on commentary is not going to have any of that. So Jericho gets up to try to cross, uh, you know, cut Spears off of the pass. Wardlow comes out of nowhere. He beats up Jericho. He tosses Jericho from the, the bleacher area into the ringside area. It looked like Jericho actually really did land awkwardly because he was being attended to for the remainder of the show by, by doctors. Um, and, but then as all these shenanigans are going on, Spears grabs a chair and does a headshot. We don't see chair shots to the head much anymore. <clears throat> does a, a chair shot to the head to Sammy. One, two, three. MJF gets the pin. This was a super entertaining <laughs> offer. But I have a real problem with a move that basically that almost paralyzed Stone Cold Steve Austin. A move that was so well protected by one of the greatest characters, if not the greatest ever in The Undertaker, that oh, we're yeah. going to do this off the second rope, and that's not even our last false finish? Yeah. Everything past that point became self-indulgent for this match in terms of I enjoyed this match. It was a great match. It was a spectacle. These fans were into it. You know, I'm going to go back and rewatch it. I thought this was a truly good match. But the fact that these guys started to kick out of the stuff that they did, my literal reaction was, come on. And you really shouldn't be saying that when you're watching wrestling. You really want to suspend that disbelief. But you're right. You take of any finisher to kick off. You take the deadliest finisher. I mean, if you're going to rank finishers, if WWE had a top 50 finishers list, which I believe they have, I think you got to put the tombstone up as number one. You take that finisher and you go to the second row and the guy kicks out of it. From there, it's like you're pretty much exposing that this is not like, I appreciate what you guys are doing, but yeah. this is an exhibition from this point on. Right. Now, yeah. And I let it slide here in the recap that I didn't even note that, yeah, they do the Canadian Destroyer and they do a one-two kick out from that. <laughs> and mind you, the Canadian Destroyer, I still remember the first time I ever saw that movie done, um, how, you know, 15 years or whatever. Like, that still to this day is one of those movies. The Canadian Destroyer is one of those movies. I remember the first time I saw it and I went, that is incredible looking. And that could be a fit. That, that should be a one and done. You hit, you know, because a pile driver by nature, a traditional pile right. driver looks, you know, the Jerry Lawler pile driver looks brutal. So to, to do a Canadian destroyer pile, pile driver looks brutal. I'm that move and um, the move that Mr. Kennedy would do as his finisher. The first time I saw him in well, like WWE, like Velocity, do his Lambo leap with like, I think it was Funaki. I remember going, whoa, it's that fire, that forward fireman's carry from the second rope. And I remember the crowd going, whoa. So, like, when I saw this springboard into the Canadian Destroyer, I was like, and, and then there was the one-two kick out. I, I did say to myself, man, that's, like, wh like, where are we in the match that they just kicked out of that? You know, and then he, and then he jumps into the crowd on the MGF, and, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, the, the kicking out of the pile driver, that's just that. You're right. Everything after that just kind of, like, we're, we're in training with the crash pads around. Hey, let me show you yeah. what I can do. Yeah, 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 exactly. That said, I will at least say that if what ends the, what ended the match was, of course, an outside interference of a chair shot, I mean, the fact that it was a chair shot to the head, again, we don't see that too often anymore. And he did have his hands up, to you know, to be fair. But, yeah, it was another chair yeah. shot to the head. And uh, I know they always argue about, oh, it was a gimmick chair. But, I mean, that busted Cody open when they tried that the last time, too. Yeah. Um, and, and Sammy, you know, to that tombstone pile driver spot sammy did look a little stunned from that point on there were times and there were at least again there was another ringside doctor who was trying to check waiting for them to uh get out of that and get into the video montage i was trying to 
I think communicate to Sammy and just at least check if he's okay. So uh, this was not without some battle scars. Like I said, Jericho was laying on the floor. It looked like he, yeah. I don't know if he landed on an arm. It was a very awkward landing. And he just, I hurt for Jericho. I mean, I just, you know, I've been hearing him do all these interviews promoting his book and he had to talk about that spot and how much it hurt to fall off the top of that cage. And he took an ugly bump where it's just like for, for a guy at his age to have to fall all the way from the top of that platform and just kind of splatter on the floor was not fun. Yeah, I mean, he's 50. Yeah. That, that did not look like, uh, yeah, I, I hope Jericho's okay. I'm sure he's just going to be really, really sore. But you got to remember, he's working with a bum arm as well that he's he hasn't taken any time to heal. He keeps wrestling with it. Uh, so he's kind of banged up right now. So to take a bump like that was insane. And I think that might have been what it is. Because, I mean, you know, like, because Warlow throws him from this elevated bleacher area. He just threw him to the ringside. Like, it wasn't like there was nothing that was breaking Jericho's fault. Jericho wasn't going through a table. Yeah. He wasn't being caught by guys. So all he could do was to use his arms to brace himself for the, to fall into that concrete. So I think that, you know, if, if he had a bum arm, that probably was what it was. They probably just continued to aggravate that bum arm because he had to yeah. use his arms to stop himself from face bumping onto cement. Yeah, absolutely. That's even worse. Like, it doesn't look as impressive in a wrestling match, but you think about a guy jumping and nobody catches him, and even though it doesn't look as spectacular, it definitely hurts more. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Any, I mean, you know, tables can hurt, and tables look, but they do break the fall. They do. Yeah, they, so they're there to do. Yeah, absolutely. do. Uh, so yeah, so so Jericho or yeah, so Jericho looks like he's hurt. Sammy looks like he's stunned. But MJF, Wardlow, Spears, they stand tall. That is the that's the image they're going off with of, of the last match that closes the Daily's Daily Place residency that was through the pandemic. I mean, again, you know, I have my I, my complaints I just listed, but it was a very it was entertaining. I don't regret watching that main event. It was a very entertaining, you know, 20, 25 minute main event. But yeah, but again, that, the same critiques are just there of how many false finishes or do we need how many you know how much you know, like how much extra shenanigans do we need you know that's just a constant but uh, hey i guess that's just the flavor that they're gonna continue to serve up and you know their, their viewership hung with them uh strongly e- even in all these preemptions of this past month so what they are doing is working to the audience that's tuning in i suppose so. and, and i will say uh early parts of this match they were working it like your basic that was kind of the story professional wrestling one of the spots was sammy uh, guevara hitting mjf's head against a turnbuckle and he took a bump on it so i was kind of thinking oh they're going to do kind of an old school match and it was connecting with people and the way mjf traditionally works is not that high work rate style it's more of like an 80s wwe heel i've actually gone on kind of a ted dibiase kick because he's been on nxt so i've kind of gotten him into him all over again um and he, just watching him and then watching mjf immediately after there's a lot of similarities in that they don't do too much they're more concerned with getting the crowd to hate them and so to see mjf kind of go this direction i don't think was entirely necessary yeah and i did leave out back on the back to the tombstone spot uh, obviously sammy looks stunned uh mjf did you know sell uh you know his knee hurting from from applying that move so so again at, le- at least r- rightly or wrongly at least uh you know or, or, or legit or just you know working working and, and selling um it, at least the brutality of doing the move was acknowledged by them uh, even if it is still something they kicked out of uh, but yeah. obviously that's and that's one thing i like and you know getting good on mjf for doing that is that you know when guys when guys give offense there's times when you give offense you should react with a, oh that hurt me almost as much as it just hurt you uh but i'm but i'm gonna do it anyways you know that's what i mean right. i love i used to always love rob van damme would do that five-star splash and he would always take a second right. to to grimace the, the fact that he just did that amazing leap onto somebody. And, and so, uh, yeah, uh, you know, a lot, again, if, if you're listening to this 
show and you haven't seen Dynamite from Wednesday night, I definitely you know encourage you to go watch it and watch the main event. There's a lot to watch here. There's a lot for you to make your opinion about of whether you like or don't like or agree or disagree. But it was highly entertaining and definitely some moments of that you're gonna uh, lean back in your seat at, you know, and grimace a little bit. Final thoughts, Alfred. Uh, a lot going on. It was a good show. It was a fun show to watch. It went by very fast. I felt like the crowd was into the whole thing. Uh, I thought the crowd was the star of the show, actually. I just thought they were so great. Um, and uh, a lot of a couple of angles that are set up that I think are going to move forward in a very positive direction as people come back. I think AEW is doing a good job peaking in terms of where their product is going. Now we're going to get the interesting world title feud with fans there, where you're going to get that live crowd is going to buy a lot of these near falls between Hangman, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega. And then, you know, Miro is heating up. Uh, this is now a good time for Jungle Boy is now a prominent player. So I think AEW has got all their ducks in a row successfully as they now leave Daly's place. We got time until the 90-day no-competes come up, but do you see do you see Miro's wife pop up and being part of his presentation and, and do it and do and they do it their own way? They no more Lana Russo, but they find their own presentation that they want to do their way. CJ and, and Miro. I do. Whether or not it's Miro going into business for himself or they are planting the seeds, I mean, I, I do believe that you know whenever. Uh, sooner rather than later, let's just say, I think we're going to see uh, C.J. Perry in AEW, and I don't think it's going to be anything like what Lana was. And I'm very interested to see uh, more unfiltered C.J. Perry because I think a lot of people are very much aware of the behind-the-scenes drama, especially the AEW audience. They're aware of the behind-the-scenes drama between her and WWE, those third-party deals. And there's a lot that I think she can do and say in reference to get those people to get whipped into a frenzy. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, wasn't she just filming a movie with Bruce Willis? And I mean, and obviously she has a... Um, she, I mean, she has a hell of a social media following. I mean, if she did pop up on AEW, I mean, she, you know, she has, you know, a lot of eyes and, and followers on her that, that can, you know, that can, it won't, it won't do anything. It won't hurt. It won't hurt AEW if she yeah. ends up popping up there. Uh, DJ KS saying, so y'all aren't going to acknowledge the JRW slip up. DJ, you need to start from the very beginning. We, we spent the first couple minutes on it. Uh, that was that what we talked about. Yeah, we already did. Yeah, unfortunate. You know, you called it WWE Dynamite. It's the last thing you heard. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see the fallout. You know, it's, there's going to be overreaction, but uh, that's the world we live in. You know, it's an unfortunate error by the single greatest commentator in my lifetime and of all time to me. For sure, for sure. Alfred, what do you got going on? What, uh, what do you want to plug? Uh, follow me on Twitter. This is Nasty. Just posted a new video uh Pro Wrestling Bits, and I will continue to have coverage of SmackDown this Friday uh, on Forbes. I have the AEW piece of tonight's show up right now. Awesome. Make sure you check that out on Forbes.com. Alfred, I'm returning to the ring. It has been since February of 2020, but my manager's license expired during the well, pandemic. I have renewed my license. I am returning to the ring July 9th. I got a new client. I've had RJ City in the past. He went on to do great things. I had Wardlow in the past. He's off doing great things. I have a new client in the Justin Labar business. His name is Spencer Slade, awesome. and I'm managing him July 9th up against Big Cass. That's right. Wow. Spencer Slade, is a, he's got a bachelor's degree. He's got a master's degree. He's an All-American. He was born deaf. Most people would just – all that – he born deaf. He overcame, accomplished all he's accomplished. Sports classroom better than most other people that are just flat out lazy, and so he has taken the opportunity—an opportunity that I worked very hard to get a main event opportunity, main event dollars, main event promotion up against Big Cast July 9th in Ross Draper, Pennsylvania. I return to the managerial circles. You can't teach that, Alfred. 
That's amazing. You see, this is how you manage. This is a new age manager in Justin Labar. He's the next generation of the Bobby Heenans. And that not only does he manage uh, these wrestlers to get their matches and get a high profile match against a big cast, but now here you are uh, in front of the wrestling audience, which is very vast, uh, putting over a Spencer who sounds like an amazing guy and a great story. So I can't wait to see this match, my guy. July 9th. And of course, before that, this Friday, I'll be back on Busted Open 10 a.m. Every single Friday, Sirius XM, uh, on demand, or the podcast, Channel 156. Alfred, it's good to be doing it. We'll be back next Wednesday. As we'll, uh, we'll see what uh, AEW has coming out from Miami as they are back on the road. Uh, and and we'll, we'll, we'll see all the fallout from what we just talked about tonight. Again, if you uh, enjoy this podcast, please uh, do a like, do the comment, do the share, do all the things, uh, whatever platform you're subscribing on. Hey, I love it. I, I did a call to action a few weeks ago, and I loved getting the replies on Twitter. Uh, tweet me. Tell me how you listen to the show. What platform are you listening on or watching on? Are you, are you with us live on a Wednesday night? Or is, is it Thursday's commute? Is it Thursday when you're tuning your boss out? Like, let us know how you're enjoying the show. We, it's always fun to hear um, you know, how, 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 how we're connecting with you. It's fun stuff here. All right, he's Alfred. I'm Justin. Make sure you do all the things Wrestling Inc. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Good night. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.